Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Today, we are honored to have Paul Mexner, a veteran, and he's going to discuss Memorial Day with us. Welcome, Paul. Hey, how you doing, Sonia? I am doing great. Thank you so much for doing this. No problem. Tell us about what, where you were in the military and okay. what Memorial Day means to you. Yeah, so um, I think uh, as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to be two things a soldier and a writer. And I started out in martial arts when I was really young and always been interested in like firearms and archery and bow staff and all that. And that later led me into a career in the military. I promised my parents a year of college first, but um, so I did that. And while I was in college, 9-11 happened. And so I ended up joining the military with a lot of people that joined specifically because of the attacks on 9-11, where I had always planned on joining, but I'm a man of my word and I always try to my word and i promised like i said my parents your college first and so i was actually trying to join the marine corps 50 percent because they have the best uniforms <laughs> and the other 50 percent because I, I i like their shooting program i like how intense and disciplined they are and uh, i definitely need a lot of discipline i have severe adhd but it was taking a while because of adhd i took um a lot of uh i was an 80s kid 80s 90s kid where they did all the medication for adhd and you had to sign all these waivers well i found out about this Army National Guard infantry unit in northern Wisconsin, which is where I'm from, getting ready to deploy to Iraq. And I had a friend that was in the Guard, very close friend, who was thinking about volunteering with them. Well, after like a year of filling out all this paperwork, I lied about my background, joined the Army, and volunteered to go over with that unit to Iraq. So I was I went straight into basic training and infantry school, which in the Army, if you go to infantry school, it's all one. And then uh, I pre-mobilized and then was in Iraq immediately after that on a combat tour um, in 2004. To 2005, uh, it was an 18-month deployment. We were in country for a year. And then I was back in Iraq again in 2009. And it was very different. And yeah, so I did eight years in the Army National Guard. About half of that was active duty. Um, I went to Ranger School. I went to Airborne School, which that's kind of rare to do in the National Guard. So I have my Ranger tab. We joke. Um, I say that I'm a tab nasty girl. Nasty girl, NG. NG means National Guard. A lot of National Guard are kind of uh, picked on a lot by active duty. Some of the units are actually better than the active duty units. A lot of them are ate up. I was very fortunate. Wisconsin National Guard is pretty squared away. And I didn't realize how not squared away some reservists or National Guard units were until we started working with them from other states. I was like, oh, okay. Now I understand where the jokes come from. But uh, yeah, so I did that. I did my time overseas. Um, I did my time in the military. I realized that maybe I didn't necessarily gel with the way the military was being used so i put my money where my mouth was and i got out um i had all these you know other plans i wanted to transfer to 20 special forces group and because they do a lot of cool stuff i got along with those guys better but like i said i just felt maybe i could do more good for myself doing something different than the way we were being used overseas if that makes any sense mm -hmm. so i uh, got out moved to la and actually you're one of the first people i talked to Coming out here, I remember that phone conversation. Came out here to pursue a career in filmmaking. You know, worked my butt off at it. Hollywood is very similar the way the military is run. 
ended up finding some pretty good success these last couple of years. And of course, everything changed in the last two years. So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's how I got involved. Um, as far as Memorial Day, what that means to me, when I was deployed, I was deployed with my cousin. He's actually my cousin's husband. And he was a guy I really looked up to. He's only a few years older than me, but he was at Ranger Battalion. Then he became a pilot, a Kiowa pilot. And he had a brand new baby boy. So this guy adopted a kid when he was 18 years old, adopted an eight-year-old. Because his mom was a foster parent who would just help kids, and she got sick. And so I believe the story goes, this kid would have to go back to his family. Instead, my cousin Josh adopted him as a senior wow. in high school. Yeah. And so then he married my cousin, and they had um, a daughter. And then he had a brand-new baby boy, so he was delayed going to Iraq. So we went at the same time. Um, fast forward. This is before Facebook and YouTube and everything, right? Well, a local um, Iraqi national hooked us up with Internet in our bunkers. Um, and so we could go on the internet and talk on AOL Instant Messenger. And uh, I think it was AIM, what was it called? Yeah, AOL Instant Messenger. And uh, one day, Josh popped up. And we would talk back and forth. We never actually ended up seeing each other because, uh, you know, our bases were a few times away. And I was in the infantry running missions constantly. He was flying, running missions constantly. One day he popped up and he's like, dude, I'm flying tonight. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going on a raid. And a raid is when you, you go to a compound or a house or whatever and you kick down the door of the night and you either capture people or kill people or collect collect data you know intel it's uh you know it's like what you see in the movies so usually a little a little crazier than the movies this one was kind of particular because it came down the pipeline real quick and we didn't have any air support and i was like oh man so i wasn't a leader yet i was you know i got out as an nco but i, I was just an e4 specialist and i asked him the sergeant so i was like hey hey can we give this guy my grid it's over aol and he's like yeah just do it just do it so i gave josh my grid and he and his wingman, so he went out, um, we were fake raiding, fake raiding this guy's house, and then he was going to take us to where they were smuggling weapons in under these gravel trucks, and there was an orchard, and there were two houses, and they were wide apart, but we could only send two rifle squads, which means we didn't have a lot of backup, we didn't have a lot of air support, and I'm on the assault team, so we have to hit this house, kick down the door, capture everybody inside and then run across this open field and hit another house, right? And that's kind of dangerous, right? Yeah. But sure enough. <laughs> By the time, so we had Humvees on the outside, but it was like quite a distance to cover, right? And so sure enough, by the time I was kicking down the second door inside that first house, I heard <laughs> overhead and I heard on the radios because I couldn't talk to Josh, but Josh was talking to them and, and everybody's like, oh, he's so cool. He's so cool because pilots are pretty cool. They have this cool, slick way of talking, you know? And um, yeah, my, my cousin provided Overwatch for me. And air support while I conducted a raid and we found a bunch of weapons and nobody got hurt, bad guys or good guys. You know, we captured some people and uh, accidentally broke a dump truck. But, uh, we, you know, we captured a bunch of weapons and stuff and it was a great day. And so fast forward a few months later, my first sergeant, who's this total badass, great guy, he's the guy that later sent me to Ranger School, showed up at my bunker and said, hey, Mike, I got to talk to you. And his eyes were kind of red and bloodshot and I knew instantly something was wrong. And I thought it was going to be my grandfather who is this tough old bastard, great guy, but like had a bunch of heart problems. And no, come to find out, my cousin was shot down, responding to a bunch of infantry being attacked, and he died in the hospital the next day. Oh, I'm so sorry so, to hear that. Yeah. So like the ironic thing is this is called a KIA bracelet, and I had just ordered a random one. Because the war was still kind of early on, most of us didn't know anybody that had been killed in the war, but we still wanted to honor people. So like, you know, the U.S. went through this time where we weren't fighting that war for a while. Weird. Um, 
And so, like, if you were a soldier, you would just get a random one or from, like, a battle you studied or just, just to honor other Americans that had lost their lives in war. Well, I had gotten my KIA bracelet in the mail, like, the day before I found out uh, my cousin Josh was killed. And so I ordered a bunch of them, a bunch of ones with his name on it. And I've worn this, or I, I had, like, five of them. I'm on my last one now because they break or whatever. But I've worn it every day of my life since, uh, since I got it in the mail after he was killed. And, you know, the weird thing, I went through some serious survivor's guilt. But, like, I'm smart enough and in tune enough with myself to know, okay, this is survivor's guilt. But it was still horrible. You know, he had three kids. He had three kids and a wife. And I had nothing. I didn't have a girlfriend or nothing. And he was in the air and I was on the ground. I was the one that was supposed to buy it, not him, right? At least that's how it feels. You know, I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't have as much responsibility, as much people relying on me. And so that hurt. And like the, the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life was to call my cousin over the phones after I found out and talked to her and just, you know, I've done some things that, you know, people would call courageous of, you know, move towards gunfire, towards explosions, you know, that sort of thing. But nothing ever took the same amount of courage as calling my cousin and just, you know, and it was, it was hard, you know? And uh, the other thing about the phones back then is, um, you know, you'd have to be in this room where all these other dudes go, because we're on an infantry pop, so it's mostly men. And, you know, they're either fighting with their girlfriends or, or they're talking to their families, but it's kind of awkward in the, what they call the MWR building. And there's a delay. So like when we talk, it's like, hey, how's it going? And then you wait, wait, wait. And then they hear, hey, how's this going? So conversations are already kind of like, take a little practice but like when you're dealing with something like that so that was pretty brutal and they offered you know my my platoon was like hey you don't have to go on missions or whatever but all i did was like sit in the back of the bunker listen to radiohead work out and just go on more missions volunteer to go on more missions i guess i probably could have gone to like a service just a few clicks up the road where his base was nobody thought of that they ended up being a big thing at home and so like it, it was weird like i don't i don't know if that ceremony is important when it comes to humans and um, I think it would have been probably nice to be part of a ceremony to say goodbye and to honor a service. But I honored a service just by trying to make good decisions, always like, you know, trying to do the best job I could. You know, I would often, people joke with me, Mike, there's a difference between hard and retard. But like, I always took everything seriously. I always tried to be the best soldier I could be just so everybody come home alive. And so, you know, what Memorial Day means to me, it's kind of like marriage. The reason humans, the reason we have these ceremonies, is ceremony is really important. It's like a core memory. It's like, um, you know, a waypoint. Um, in the military, a waypoint is like when you're navigating, you're using your compass and your map. A waypoint is where you stop, assess everybody, you know, make sure you have enough water and then continue on. You can also use it as a rally point to move back to in case you got to go back. So I think it's like a waypoint in our existence, in our timeline. And Memorial Day is a ceremonial service that that lets all of us know like hey the reason we have the things we have is because all these people that sacrifice now i'm not going to get into politics but i'm not you know naive enough to think that like every war is necessary or every bit of violence is necessary but there is something about sacrifice and i think we should acknowledge it it doesn't mean don't barbecue have a great time you get a three-day weekend you know accomplish things remodel the house do whatever but I think the point of today is to just understand because it's less than what three percent, less than two percent people that serve in the military nowadays because we have an all volunteer military. So yeah, I think it's just a time of reflection. I think it's an important ceremony that we should really acknowledge, and I think it's okay to ask you know military veterans or whoever like hey do you know anybody that passed can you tell them can you tell me their story.
you know, can you, cause I think we need to know this. I think we really need to know this. And we're so fortunate to live where we live with all of our problems and all of our flaws. We're so fortunate to be here. Like, I know what it's like to not have water. I know what it's like to, I don't know if we're going to eat the next two days. I don't know if I'm going to get shot in the face. I don't know if I'm going to get blown up or what I'm going to see or who I'm going to have to shoot. You know, I, I don't know all these things. And I think sometimes we take it for granted. That was kind of an over, you know, I didn't, I wasn't very specific, but that's what Memorial Day means. It's, it's, well, a, it's a ceremony. It's a time of acknowledgement for the ones we've lost. Yeah, there, um, I did a little bit of research on Memorial Day because you mentioned it is about honoring our fallen veterans. And what I saw was that the U.S. in 1966 decided to make it make Waterloo, New York, the place for where Memorial Day started. And that was in 1966. In 18, I think it was 66 or 18 something, they were always celebrating their fallen soldiers. They gave them credit for that because they were the ones that celebrated it. Let's see, they, they have been doing it. They started celebrating it on May 5th, 1866. And they would close down sense. the town and they would put flags and flowers on the uh, soldiers' graves. So to me, it's a very touching time. And I know I stay away from controversy, but my only thing that might be considered controversy is that when a soldier goes into war, they're putting their life on the line for us. And I really feel that we should be taking care of them for life. Not just when they come back, not just when they need to go to the hospital, but for life, because they were willing to give a life, well, let's give them a life. You know, mm-hmm. so to me that it really, I had a cousin that died in the war as well, but he died in I'm Vietnam. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, he died in Vietnam though. Yeah, my, my mother lost a lot of friends in Vietnam or when they came back and took their own lives. And so that's why she was like, she was very against me joining the military, but she also believes that I can make my own decisions. And I, I think overall it's a good decision for me. But, you know, she was, I can't imagine what my parents were going through, especially since, you know, my cousin it wasn't like a friend or someone I kind of knew or casually knew. It was like a direct relative, you know, was killed halfway through my tour overseas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can't imagine the fear and, uh, you know, not knowing that they went through. Um, no. if, I, if I could say something. Sure, go ahead. Um, I do think there is a, spe- a very specific uh, way you can honor veterans and honor um, the people that pass on Memorial Day. And that is doing everything you can not to make more of them. Sometimes, sometimes violence is necessary, but usually, I would say almost the majority of the time, there's another way to do it. And so, like, I would just be very skeptical of war, you know, I'd be very, very skeptical of it and use your power, use your voice, use your First Amendment, do whatever you can. There's almost always a better option than violence. And I still do this for a living. I still teach people how to be violent. I teach people how to defend themselves. I'm a firearms and weapons and tactics instructor. And even in my classes, you know. The, the best fight, the easiest way to win the fight is not the fight, you know, to avoid the fight entirely or find another way. But if you have to, you know, you do what you have to do. So that's all. Best way you can honor a veteran is to do your best not to make more of them. No, that's that's a beautiful thing to say, because you don't think that way. Everybody wants to stop or something. You, you do have to be able to protect yourself. I just mm-hmm. wish it wasn't with bombs and nuclear power and, you know, they're. I think it's sometimes it's just wanting power, 
you know, or protect. Yeah. It's wanting power and then manipulating people into thinking it's for their best interests. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which is, I, that's why I think if you go to war and you fight in a war and you're a soldier, you should be taken care of for life. You were willing to give your life. Oh, I mean, it's, I remember once somebody telling me, well, really? Cause you know, you believe that, but you're liberal. I'm like, what does that have to do with it? <laughs> you know, my heart really goes out to the soldiers. I want to thank you for protecting us. Oh, thank you. Is there anything else you would like to say to the audience? I think one of the reasons I joined the National Guard too, instead of going active duty, was I think it it kind of was more similar to close to what our founding fathers intended. Instead of having a standing military, I like the idea that the National Guard responded to your home if there was a forest fire or if there was um, there's this famous case in Wisconsin. There was a, a train derailment filled with dangerous chemicals and they evacuated the town really quick. But then they called the National Guard because they had these armored personnel carriers called APCs that were set up for nuclear biological chemical. And so they put on all their you know chemical warfare gear and had these filtration systems and they drove these APCs in the town and rescued all the pets in the town oh that's, that's a so neat sweet. story yeah yeah so like yeah national guard goes to war we get into firefights you know we do um all the same stuff active duty does sometimes we do it differently sometimes that's an advantage because we're filled with doctors and carpenters and you know people that think outside the box so that's cool uh we don't have the training and the same scale for at least most units that, that the active duty does but we can make up for it with outside the box thinking I like the idea of responding to your state in a national disaster. I like the fact that they swear an oath to the governor and not the president. You know what I mean? And uh, to me, compartmentalization of power, uh, decentralization, I think that's I think that's wise. But lastly, if you want to serve your country, serving in the military or the National Guard is, is definitely a way to do it. But there's also a ton of other things you can do. And just volunteering your time with your community, baking pies for your neighbors, you know, getting to know your neighbors. There's a million other ways you can serve your country, possibly even better than joining the military. It's not any disrespect to the military. I'm just saying that as someone who's probably, you know, served, it even sounds weird saying served sometimes, but probably was in the military for eight years and had a pretty decent career and, you know, got to accomplish some cool things. And, uh, you know, there's, there's other ways to do that. So that's all I really wanted to say. So thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And This was short and sweet, but I really wanted to honor soldiers for Memorial Day. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. And if you want to look up um, Josh's story, it's uh, CW2 is a warrant officer, Joshua Scott. Um, He was going to try out for 160 a store, which is like the special forces of helicopter pilots when he got back from the tour. And I totally believe he would have made it. So if you want to look up his story, you can just Google him. He's a great dude. So. All right. Thank you. And also. Audience, I'll get the info and I'll put it in the notes so that you can read the story for yourself. Once again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's such an honor to know you. All right. Well, thank you, Sonia. It's been great knowing you too. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, and many other podcast platforms. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates.